I wanted to invite you, if you will, to join me in Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to begin there this morning. And I want to talk about, for the next few weeks, I want to talk about the glorious church. I want to talk about church life, church fellowship, the body of Jesus Christ. And today, I want to introduce this from Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to read several passages, several portions of this scripture But I pray that it will begin to minister to your heart and you would have a witness of the Holy Spirit. I wanted to begin by giving you the definition of the church. This is from the Greek, the Thayer's Greek Dictionary of of Biblical Words. And so this is the actual dictionary for church. So listen to this. Because it's everybody might have a definition of church. But when Paul's using it by the Holy Spirit, this is what he's saying. The church is a gathering of people out from their homes into some public place to worship through fellowship. That's the definition of church by the Thayer's Greek Dictionary. A gathering of people called out from their homes into some public place to worship through fellowship. Through fellowship is so very important. Because it denotes a body and it denotes a relationship, not a congregation, but it's a body. And for decades, you know, church might be recognized as a congregation. This is my congregation. I don't belong to a congregation. I belong to a body. I am fit together in what Paul calls the house of God and what he also calls in 1 Corinthians 12, the body of Jesus Christ. This is not something that I attend but it is something that I belong to. I can attend as a, in a congregation, but I belong to a body that is called the church of Jesus Christ. The fellowship, the word fellowship there means joint participation, intimacy, and relationship. And that's what that is. There, it's for the church to be the church, there has to be joint participation. There has to be intimacy. People that pop in and out of the church, they don't know nobody, nobody knows them, they have no real relationship with it. That's not the church's fellowship. There has to be intimacy within the body of Christ. And through this, the manifold wisdom of God is made known. And this is what we're going to read in Ephesians chapter 3. And in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is given the revelation of this mystery. He says that in verse 3. He says that by revelation, God made known unto Paul the mystery. And he wrote this before in just a few words. But now he's writing it. He's making it known. And this is the mystery he says in verse 4, in the mystery of Christ. And then he begins to explain it. And he says, in other ages, it was not made known to the sons of men as it is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of And of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ. It doesn't say that they go to the same church. But they are of the same body. This is so very important that we understand this. And so Paul becomes a minister by the gift of grace. To be able to bring this to particularly the Gentiles. But he comes to verse 9 which I think is important. And this is it. And if you're a Christian, if you're born again. This should mean something to you. This should 
upset your life, if you will. It should disturb you. It should motivate you. It should inspire you to live for this cause. Because he says in verse 9, it is to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. The mystery is the church. It is the fellowship of that church that all men are going to see something. And remember the word fellowship is joint participation and intimacy. This is not something that you do at a distance. It's not something you do over the internet. It's not something you do through live streaming. This has to be joint participation. Building into our life and in each other's life with a flow of the Holy Spirit through our life. And so the fellowship of the mystery or the fellowship of the church. Now listen, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God. From the very beginning of the world, this was in the heart of God. Who created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent that now. Unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. The principalities and powers that are in heavenly places are to be confronted with the manifold wisdom of God. The only way it can happen. There is no exception. The only way it can happen is by the church. Not by attending church, not by being a member of a church, not by saying you're a Christian, but by actually being that type of an individual who is actually in fellowship with that mystery we call the church. You are in intimacy and joint participation with the body of Christ. And again, I read verse 10. That the intent that now unto principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here is, you're, you're here this morning because you have an understanding of God. And you have an understanding that this God was revealed through Jesus Christ. There is a regard for God. There's a fear of God. Perhaps there's a love for God. Well, in this scripture, you have several things that God is revealing to you. Number one, at the creation of the world and even before, I had it in my heart to have a church, which is my body. It's not a congregation. It is my body. It is my house. It is comprised of many, many people joined together through my Holy Spirit that I might live in them and indwell them. This has been, God says, this has been my eternal desire. And you today, living in 2023, get to continue what happened when 120 people came out of an upper room declaring the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the formation of something that had never existed before in the history of the world, which was the church of Jesus Christ. 
And those men and women, through the power of the Holy Spirit, went out into the world and turned it upside down by the power of the Holy Spirit. They fellowshiped every day. Every day they communed together, they prayed together, they ate together, they fellowshiped in the apostles' doctrine every day, building each other up. That was the legacy that we've been handed. And in 2023, if we desire to see this world turned upside down or right side up again, then it demands that church because the wisdom of God cannot be known any other way. It is known by the church. That is our privilege. That is our honor. And that is something that is absolutely glorious to us. And so this is God's eternal desire. He's purposed this in his son, Jesus Christ. And God has desired to manifest his incredible wisdom. The manifold wisdom of God there means that it is God's great diversity of wisdom. It is impossible to understand God's wisdom in one glance or one particular view. It will be misconstrued and you will not understand it. The only way God's wisdom is going to be manifest is by the diversity of all of the aspects of his wisdom woven together. And all of God's wisdom that, has, that, that is out there has been woven together in what we call the church. It's woven together in that. It does not mean merely that there was great wisdom, but that the wisdom shown was diversified and varied, like the changing of multicolored sceneries or landscapes. There was a beautiful and well-ordered variety of dispensations toward that church, all of which tended to manifest the wisdom of God. Even from the very beginning in the garden, when Eve was brought to Adam. It was beginning to show the type of one day Jesus having a church. Even in the very beginning. It is like a landscape, a panoramic view passing before the mind. A great variety, all tending to excite admiration. In the redemption of the church, there is not merely one form or one phase of wisdom. It is wisdom ever varying and ever beautiful. There was wisdom manifested in the plan from the beginning of creation, the forming of Eve, the creation of Adam. This wisdom was being demonstrated. Wisdom in the selection of the Redeemer. Wisdom in the incarnation of Christ. Wisdom in the atonement. Wisdom in the means of renewing a man's heart and sanctifying a man's soul. Wisdom in the various dispensations by which the church is sanctified, guided, and brought to glory. The wisdom thus shown is like that ever-varying beauty of changing clouds and sunsets. When the sun is reflected on them in the evening, each aspect is completely beautiful, but it is never understood apart from the church. That's the only way it can be understood. And this is the privilege that's granted to us, if you will. I would like to go to chapter 2 of Ephesians, and I want you to see this in verse 19. And he says, Now therefore, you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints 
and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. In whom all the building fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord. We, the church is a growing holy temple. Every part must, must be in its place. Just like in the building of a, of a building, every brick must be in its place. There's this perhaps beautiful house. And as you pass by that beautiful house, there's just one, even a small portion of that house that was not quite completed. A couple of bricks were left out. And you drive by this beautiful house and you drive by and you say, that's so weird. It seems like something should be there. And that has been one of the crises of the church for the last 2,000 years. That we've never understood it for what God intended it to be. We have the attitude we can come and go. It's up to us. It's up to our convenience. And people drive by and they see this beautiful thing called the church. Everything we describe that it's supposed to be in the world. And the laws drive by and say, I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're describing. But when I drive by the church, it just looks like something's weird. Something's kind of left out. And it's Christians begrudging one another. It's Christians gossiping. Christians slandering each other. Christians causing strife that causes others to say, I'm not going to church anymore. Or we get involved in our own lives. And we begin to live for ourselves. We just include God in the process. But we don't understand the church. We don't understand God's eternal desire. Hopefully through these series of lessons you will understand that in a greater way. And the Bible says in verse 22. In whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. If we are built together to be a habitation of God through the Spirit. Then any any moment in my life that I lack participation with the body of Christ, I'm robbing you. And in some way, I'm deforming God's wisdom from what it should be. I take that very seriously. I desire with all of my heart to make the church everything that it could possibly be. For the glory of Jesus Christ. I'm not perfect in that. Nobody is. But it is certainly what I strive after. I don't go to church because I'm a pastor. I go to church when I'm on vacation. Because that's my body. That's my house. That's what I'm joined to. That's my life. That's my kingdom. And the Holy Spirit lives in me. And I want the Holy Spirit to be manifest through my life. And so I want you to understand this. Now I want to compare this to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So just turn backwards in your Bible just a bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want you to see this, if you will, in verse 13. Or, or actually we'll go to verse 12. And it says, for as, are you ready? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. For as the body is one... 
and has many members. And all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. So cut a part of your body off and see how you do with it. But people through the centuries have done that to the church. Perhaps even some of us here today, we have done that to the church. Not through a lack of attendance, but a lack of participation. Now listen to this. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. You, by yourself, are not the church. I've heard people say that. Well, I'm the church. No, you're not. You're part of it. You're not it. Because one person does not make the church. It takes many persons to make that one body. Many. You just read it. The body is not one member. But many. And you're a part of the many. That makes the one. And if the foot shall say. Because I am not the hand. I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And he uses the analogy of a human body. Uh, Guys, if you will, please. Try to understand this in light of the fact. This is God's whom you claim you love. This is God's eternal desire. This is what he purposed in Jesus Christ. This is what he has forever wanted. And he was gracious enough to let you be a member. To let me be a member. I want to take this very seriously. And so I don't want to look at any aspect of the body of Christ and say, you know what? Because I don't get to do what you do, I'm not valid in the body of Christ. Because I don't get to be on a stage, I'm not the body of Christ. Because I'm a foot and you're a hand and I'm not a hand, I'm not important. And so he's using this analogy of a human body. And the foot doesn't say that to the hand. And the hand is certainly thankful for the foot, right? My hand's thankful for my feet. I can assure you of that. And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? Now we know the answer is, it is of the body. If the whole body were an eye, the whole body were a hand, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? Now listen to this, verse 18. But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. That's why we have church membership. It's important for me to be able to know those that come here come to me as the pastor and say, I believe that the Holy Spirit 
is put me here. This is my body. This is where the Holy Spirit is pleased for me to function in. It's important for me as the pastor to know that. So that I can understand those that are being joined together by the Holy Spirit. Because not everybody that comes to church wants to be a part. They don't want, they just want to be in the congregation. Maybe they want to hear a message. Maybe they want to, you know, be a part of, a, of an altar service or something like that. But, but really, no more than that. that that's enough, and that's okay if that's how people would want to come. Maybe God will get their heart and pull them in. But God has set the members, every one of them... So if this is something done individually, he takes you and he says, I'm going to put you here. Michelle, he took you and he said, you're going to FNT. Sorry, <laughs> this is where you go. And it says, as it pleased him, not where it pleases you. How many people pick up and leave churches because, you know what, I just don't like it here anymore. So what? It's not about what you like. It's about what pleases him. And, and why is it pleased him? Because this is my eternal desire. I want to demonstrate my wisdom. And I can only do it through the church. Now, he goes on and he says this. Verse 19. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. Now, he said in, in one instance, please, please listen to me. We're going to continue, but please listen to me very quickly. I want to review this. He said that if the foot says... Because I'm not the hand, I'm not a part of the body. Does that make it true? No. The foot is a part of the body. And this is this self-pity. This is this self-awareness that, that some of us and all of us have from time to time. As we might admire another part of the body of Christ... And, and wish that that's what we were. But Paul is saying, listen, God put you in the body where it pleased him. And if God put you in the body to be a foot, that's what pleases him. And if he put you in the body to be a hand, that's what pleases him. Or if he made you an ear, if he made you the spelling, that's what pleases him. So we're not to walk around saying, oh, I wish I had your ministry. Or I wish that I had your calling. Or I wish that I had this and I wouldn't know. Be pleased, be content with what God has given you. But now he changes directions and, and now this begins to be, you know, members of the church, members of the body who might have esteemed positions looking down on others that aren't so esteemed. This is the attitude he takes now. And so he says in verse 21, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. And so people in the body of Christ that appear to be something because God has sovereignly chosen them to be that part in the body should never look down on other members of the body and belittle them or consider that I don't need you. I need everybody in the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, over a year ago, I formed an advisory board. It's composed of young people. I invited 10-year-olds to come into it. I've, it's full of teenagers and young 20s because these are people that are pursuing God in these altars. 
and praying and seeking the Lord. And it's like, I need you to speak into my life. I need you to give me advice. And we meet and we pray and we talk and we share with each other. It's very powerful. And so it's, it's not like I could ever say to anybody in the body of Christ, I don't need you. That is an attitude that should not exist in Christ. And no, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And I, I love the way Paul said that. We do that. We bestow that honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness, for our comely parts have no need. But God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacks, that there should be no schisms or tears in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Equal care. That's the way it should be in the body of Christ. A lot of times ministry has professionalized the ministry and made themselves or put themselves above the people. That is wrong. Of all places that ministers should be is beneath the people. Lifting them up. Encouraging them. Serving them. Like Jesus taught us to do. That we should be the least. That we should be the last and not the first. That should be our posture in the body of Christ. Not, not, not out of a false humility, but because that's when God puts you in those places, that's the spirit that God gives you to operate in. And so I would want all of you to know this morning that every one of you that's born again, because not everyone is born again. Not everyone really is a temple of the Holy Spirit, but everyone that's born again, everyone that would become a member of the body of Christ through the new birth. You are as valuable as anybody else. I, I, I liken these uncomely parts to uh, our internal organs. Because they're protected, right? They're, they're not as strong as... My elbow or my hands or my feet or my body. This outward part of my body can take some blows that my heart cannot take. This outward part of my body can deal with some situations and some adversity that my pancreas would not be able to tolerate. But I need my pancreas. And I need my liver and I need my kidneys and I need my heart and I need these organs and I need my brain. All right. So these are, these are not comely. They're not beautiful. I mean, if we sat a liver out here, we said, that is the best looking thing I've ever seen. We wouldn't do that, right? But, but, we, but God has placed that person in the body where, where it needs to be. And we are to give honor to that. And honestly, some of these parts of the body, you don't feel them. You don't hear them. But they're functioning. They're functioning. Because if you started to feel your heart, you would know something's wrong. And if you started to feel your liver, your kidneys, you would know something's very wrong. 
And so as long as your body is functioning properly, these internal organs that are part of your body and they're who you are, are operating in its fashion, circulating blood, filtering out disastrous things that could cause poison in your body. And they're filtering these things out and pumping blood and oxygen through your body so that you can be sustained and you can walk in the fullness of all that God has for you to walk in. And I would pray with all of my heart that we would allow the Holy Spirit to begin to give us a vision and an understanding of the body of Christ because we're watching our world fall apart. And I want you to, I want, I want to close with this. But when Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, that by the fellowship of the church would be demonstrated the manifold wisdom of God to principalities and powers. Let me tell you something that actually happened. Prior, or, or right up to the point of Pentecost, this world was overrun with devils. Every modern civilization of man devoted its countries and its cities to particular demons, whether it was the goddess Diana or whether it was Apollos or whether it was Zeus or whether it was Baal or whether it was Ashtoreth or whether it was Moloch. And up to the day of Pentecost, the whole world thought that there were mermaids in the ocean and gods in the ocean. And if you sail the ocean, these creatures and these gods were going to come and engulf you. And men lived in fear of the enchanted forest because they thought they were filled with magic and they were filled with wizards. Until Jesus Christ led 120 people out of the upper room. That was the church. That's all it had at the moment, but it would grow to 3,000 that day. And then shortly after that, 5,000 more would come in and they committed themselves to one another. And they didn't gossip about each other and they didn't slander each other. Even a group of elderly widows, you talk about a church split, a group of elderly widows are actually being neglected. They're overlooking me. And instead of giving me my provisions, they're giving the provisions to somebody. You know what? I'm quitting the church. That's not what they did. There was something so powerful about that early church. You couldn't get rid of them. You couldn't chase them away. Even when they were neglected, they could understand, I'm going to bring a proper complaint. And then Peter gives the solution. And all of the problems are taken care of. And the church shows itself in love. And it repents and it grows. And it begins to dominate again. But today we get our feelings hurt, we get crushed, we go on social media and we blast the church of Jesus Christ. We slap the body of Christ when we gossip about other people. You might as well just grab Jesus by the beard and just slap him in the face if you gossip about one of the members of the body. Because that's his body, right? That's his body. Just hit yourself. Hit yourself. You're part of the same body. And and, and yet... In the beginning, in that early church, that church came out of the upper room and it was united and it was full of the Holy Spirit and it was powerful in God and thousands of people were coming into Christ. And do you know what they did? They chased the demons away. They shut down the altars of the demons. They destroyed the worship of Diana and Apollos and Zeus to the point where nobody in the world even believes in these mythological gods anymore. But they sure did 2,000 years ago. 
And men would charter boats and ships and explore the world because we were no longer afraid that there were these creatures and gods living in the ocean. And we weren't afraid to explore new worlds and walk through forests that have never been chartered because we were no longer afraid that there were these gods that lived in the forest because we knew God. And we know who God is. And God has exposed the darkness and brought the light. And the whole world changed. It changed because the church of Jesus Christ went into the world as the light of the world and the salt of the earth. And it exposed these lies of Satan. And that's the answer for the streets of Baton Rouge. It's the answer for our universities. It's the answer for our families, the answer for our homes. I have ministered for 37 years. I have watched people come and go. I have talked to believers and pastors and Christians in other churches. Not long ago in another state, I had a pastor and one of his members sit down and talk to me and they said, we're just unhappy. Don't feel like we were treated right or treated fairly. I said, can you forgive your pastor? I don't know. How are your children doing? Not well. You want them to be saved? Oh, yes. I think the best thing you can do for your children to see Jesus and get saved is for you to leave this church. And let your children ask you why. And then when your children ask you why, tell your children, because the church, I felt it did me wrong. Tell them that. I think they'll come to Christ. I'm being sarcastic. But that's what happens to this generation and the generations of the past for us to get where we are. We complain, we gripe, we hurt the church of Jesus Christ, we slap him, we beat his body instead of having the ministry of God's spirit and God's love and God's grace among ourselves to be able to understand not one of us is perfect, but we're going to do everything we can not to be served, but to serve. Not for somebody to love me, but I'm going to look for somebody to love. I'm not going to sit around and complain because nobody asked me out to eat. I'm going to ask somebody out to eat. I'm not going to sit around and complain because nobody invites me to their home. I'm going to invite people to my home. I'm not going to sit around and nitpick of all that the church does wrong. I'm going to jump into those places where I see the church is lacking and I'm going to fill it up. And I'm going to make it better. Because I love my Jesus. And this is what he's always wanted. And I'll give him everything I got. And when the church can be that. People out there, they'll stop and they'll take notice. They may not all come in, but I'll tell you, some will. Some will. They'll see the power of God again. Carl, if you will, let's just take a few moments. And would you do this?
in the next few minutes that we have, would you just pray? Would you ask the Holy Spirit? Would you give me a vision and a, a, an illumination of your church? Show me what, show me what it is that you want. Show me what it is that you have desired from all eternity. That you have privileged me to be a part of. And how can I be a part of it that serves you well? That serves your body well? That serves the members well? Forgive me if I have excluded myself because I didn't think I was good enough because I was just a foot. Forgive me. Thank you for making me a foot or an ear or a hand. And those parts like a pastor in a pulpit, please don't let things go to our head to think we are the illuminated ones. We're no better than anybody else in the body of Christ. It's just the places you put us. It's just where it pleases you. Help us to give honor to one another. Help us to respect one another, to love one another. And where there's been pain in the body, let us bring healing. Let us hold our tongues. Let us bless you and bless men. Help us to bring correction where it needs to be so that we can be healthy as you would want us to be healthy. But please, Holy Spirit, give me a revelation of the church. Let me see it through your eyes. Not the way I grew up and not my traditions. Let me see it through your eyes.